United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here today and on totally on the opposite side of the congregation, which I think is fun. And I'll sit at a baseball stadium and actually switch seats in the midst of the stadium to get different perspectives. So this is my opportunity to do this. I'm here because our guest today is uh, Bishop Will Williman. We're so grateful that you're here. Uh, Bishop Williman served for decades as Dean of the Duke Chapel and influenced a number of my uh, dear friends' uh, lives. He also served as a bishop in Alabama and his wife Patsy has joined us uh, today as well as sitting with George and Harriet. If you'll please uh, greet Patsy and welcome her to our congregation as well. Um, a couple of announcements. Uh, we will start our uh, new series after today. We've read uh, since September, uh, Fear of the Other. This is um, Bishop Willeman's book. He'll um, reflect on that today. And we start, there's five weeks between now and Consecration Sunday. And so we're going to focus on our five practices, uh, one practice per Sunday in uh, both worship and in our um, children and youth programs of radical hospitality, passionate worship, intentional faith development, risk-taking mission and service, and extravagant generosity. So we'll focus on each of those with the culmination being extravagant generosity, the ways in which you give to us in every single way that impact our life in the church. That culmination will be on November 20th, and we'll have one service here at 10 o'clock, followed by a celebration, lunch, and our Family Life Center. This weekend is fall break for Greenville County Schools, so we do not have children and youth programming tonight. The adult class taught by Bob and Bobby McQuaid will um, go on tonight. Uh, we'll not have youth and children programming. If you would like to give to a United Methodist entity in order to support uh, mission, uh, helping those who have been impacted by Hurricane Matthew, you can give to uh, the United Methodist Church Loves acronyms, just like the military. It's uh, UMCOR, uh, United Methodist Committee on Relief, uh, will help those, um, anyone who's been in the path of that uh, pretty tough hurricane. You can give to us directly and we can give to them, or you can go online uh, to UMCOR and give to them as well. So let's uh, stand, help me, uh, join me in our hymn number 145, Morning Has Broken.
occurred to me that in between the Sunday school hour where you talk to us and this worship service, we cut off your microphone, Bishop Williman. So I'm going to have y'all greet one another and say welcome, and I'm going to cut on his microphone. So y'all say hello. Apostles' Creed. Here we go. That's me. I did that to you. Stand and join me in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And from Psalm 103, verses 1 through 8, which is found in your pew Bible on page 939. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we are grateful that you have called us to this journey. But at times we feel that it's too long. At times we feel discouraged. At times we hear too many voices and the loud ones prevail over the thoughtful ones. As we read of encouragement, as we read of endurance, as we read of your voice calling us to be one voice, we pray for your guidance. We know that we do not have the strength individually or as a large group to hold all of these things together without your help. And so we call upon you. As we hear the word proclaimed today, Lord, give us encouragement. Give us endurance. Give us one voice. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time to give our tithes and other offerings. You, if you would like to give online, you'll see instructions on how to do that in your bulletin.
It's wonderful to be with you in this historic and uh, lively congregation and get to see you as you move toward the future. Uh, scripture this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Romans. Paul really turns away from his writing of his letter is to say, now I'm going to speak to this particular problem now. No, you have to kind of infer what he's dealing with, but anybody who's been in a church very long can figure out what Paul is dealing with here. He's, he's dealing with the problem of uh, division, disunity in the church. It's amazing how much of Paul's letters is, deals with the problem of how do you stay together as Christians uh, in the church. And uh, so that's surely what occasioned these words from Paul. One more thing, if you follow along in your pew Bibles, uh, this version of the Bible uses, it says, except one another. Now the, the Greek word is dekomai, which is a little stronger and more engaging than mere except. It's better translated welcome, dekomai, welcome. But here we are from the 15th chapter of Romans. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, just as Christ has welcomed you in order to bring praise to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was sent uh, to be bishop in Alabama, a frequent question people would ask me was, Bishop, uh, what do you miss most about your former life in academia and your new life as a church bureaucrat here in Alabama? I hadn't thought about it, but I thought a little bit about it, and then I came up with an answer. The thing I miss most about my life uh, in uh, North Carolina at the university and here, the thing I miss most is the Duke University Office of Undergraduate Admissions. Because through their good work, they ensured that I got to spend every day, all day, with people who looked like and talked like and who thought like me. And it was just wonderful. They had all been gathered on the basis of their ability to work the American educational system to their personal advantage, and it was wonderful. We had some of the best conversations, and we were to... But here in the church, Jesus won't let us have an admissions committee. We, in the church, we got to work with whoever Jesus drags in the door. And it can get pretty rough at times because Jesus tends to invite people that, if it were left up to me, wouldn't be invited. Well, uh, that relates, I think, to what Paul is dealing with here in Romans 15. Paul has got a church that is divided. You know, churches can be divided for a lot of different reasons, but this division is on the basis of Jew and Gentile. Here's what he seems to have. The gospel has gone out to Israel. Jesus was quite clear. I've come only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And uh, he has come as fulfillment of the promises made by God to Israel down through the ages. You will be my people. I will be your God. I will preserve you into eternity. All right, these Jews have heard the good news. They have seen Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. But a strange thing appears to have happened in the first years of the church. Suddenly, these Gentiles start showing up. And these Gentiles somehow have gotten in their head that the, the good news of the Jew Jesus to the Jews that that's their good news too. And so they've gathered in these congregations. And you can imagine 
what it would have been like to be a Jew to be persecuted down through the ages by these Romans, these Gentiles <coughs> now to be sitting in church singing songs about Jesus with these very Gentiles who had made your family's life so miserable from time to time and you can imagine that there were some who said wait a minute you don't know anything about the scriptures you, you, we, we believe in the Torah we believe in the word of God and you've come in here you've never had the Hebrew scriptures you can't even speak Hebrew and uh, what are these Gentiles that is the great 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 grandparents of everybody in the congregation this morning what are you Gentiles doing here uh, there is nothing in the Hebrew scriptures to suggest that God is gracious to you that you are any part of the people of God. And Paul is dealing with the astounding, shocking recognition that God's salvation has gone even to the Gentiles. In other words, what Paul's dealing with here is the shock that Jesus Christ has saved the wrong people. Has saved people that nobody wanted saving. These Gentiles. Well, what do we do now? And Paul writes to them the scripture for today. Seek unity in Christ. Specifically, you welcome one another just like you've been welcomed. And I'm sure those Jewish Christians thought, oh, wait a minute, we, we, we haven't been welcomed. We're Jews. We're part of the promises of God to Israel. We've, my, my family founded this synagogue. I tithe. I've, I've been a part of this all my life. I was raised in a good Jewish home. What do you mean we were welcomed? There does seem to be this sort of tendency in the faith to, to, to be confused into thinking that we're where we are with God because of something we've done or I was raised in a good Christian home or well I can't help it I'm just a naturally really good person and I like following the rules so that's why I'm here Paul says no everybody is where they are with God only because of God God is love and God's love has embraced even you. And now you are commanded to embrace others just like God embraced you. Welcome one another just like you got welcomed. It reminds you of a parable Jesus told Matthew 20 about the laborers in the vineyard. Uh, somebody's got some grapes to be harvested. They go out and they hire some workers early in the morning. They go to work. Mid-morning, hire some more workers. One hour before quitting time, you can imagine who's left at the unemployment office one hour before quitting time. Well, the farmer hires them too. End of the day, he calls everybody together and he pays everybody the same wage. And Jesus says there was grumbling. Hey, you've made these latecomers, these 11th hour workers, you've made them equal to us who have been here all day and have sat through years of sermons and Sunday school and potluck supper. They, they're equal to us. And Jesus said, the farmer said, hey, it's my farm. <laughs> I can run it like I want to run it. And why are you, why is your eye out of whack? Because I'm gracious. Well, it probably makes a difference, you know, if, if you're one of the insiders, old timers, or, or whether you're one of the newcomers. Uh, and all is clear. He doesn't say, now you Gentiles, keep your heads down now. You're lucky to be here. Uh, you're lucky that Jesus is gracious even to you. Uh, you need to be patient with these Jews. He addresses the insiders, the old timers, and say, hey, remember you had no claim on the promises of God. It was God's grace that brought you here. It, 
It's, it's a scandal that Jesus Christ doesn't save the people we would save if we were doing the saving. Back in Alabama, they invited me to a youth rally, and there's, I get out to the church camp at 500 screaming youth on a Saturday night, and they got this edgy rock band, and and uh, it's they didn't get the service started till like nine o'clock, and 9:30, Duffy Robbins uh, from Asbury Seminary, wonderful youth ministry leader. Uh, comes up and he, he reads from Romans and it says he who knew no sin for our sakes took on sin became sin he, he became he, uh, sin so that he might reach the ungodly he who was God became ungodly to reach the ungodly and, and then Robin said okay now I need your help for a little skit uh, to my left is the ungodly, okay? That's bad. To my right is the godly. Good, okay? Now, uh, when I call your name, I want you to come up and take your place on stage where you align yourself with the bad or with the good, okay? Now, okay, first person I want to call up, uh, 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 Adolf Hitler. Pointed to a teenager. He sheepishly came up over on the bad side. He said, great, okay, uh, Attila the Hun. How are you? Attila the Hun, come on up. Kid comes up, standing on that side with Adolf Hitler. Oh, Mother Teresa of Cal Calcutta. Okay, you, come on up. She's over with the good. Martin Luther King Jr. Okay, come on up. Yeah, Mother Teresa welcomes Martin Luther King Jr. on the good side. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Yeah, he wasn't a Christian, but come on up. He's a good person, and he, Mother Teresa welcomes him. And, and um, then he called uh, Joseph Stalin. He goes down through the hole. And so there's about 20 kids staying on stage, group down here, group over here, the bad, the good. And uh, so he says, okay, uh, we've got the placement about right. Now, uh, one last person I want to bring up, Jesus Christ. You. Come on up. You be Jesus Christ. This young woman comes up and she walks over and Martin Luther King and Teresa of Tal Calcutta defer to him and they step aside. Jesus gets off there. And so uh, Duffy Robinson says, uh, okay, you, you're okay with kind of this arrangement? This look good to you? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Do you people not listen to anything? You must be doing poorly in school. Let me read this text one more time to you. And he read again, He who knew no sin became sin. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now you might be willing to die for a godly person, but he proves his love for us that he died only for the ungodly. And as he was reading, Jesus kind of sheepishly moved over from Mahatma Gandhi and over there. And by the end of the reading from Romans, there's Jesus hanging out with Hitler and Stalin. And, and, uh, and then Robin said, is there anybody here tonight with the guts to follow Jesus into your school Monday morning? Is anybody here willing to relate to humanity like he related to humanity? As the band plays, if you're up for that kind of adventure, come on down front. And as the band played, the kids rose up as one and surged to the front just dying to welcome others as Jesus welcomed. Uh, it's just easy to get confused that maybe I'm here and I'm in this relationship with God because of uh, who I am. But Paul says, no, it's, we know how you are. We're talking about being like Jesus is. And notice that Paul, this isn't a suggestion. This is a command. You, 
Welcome others, just like Jesus welcomed you. Uh, John Wesley said, it's a fairly small thing to love God. It, it, even the pagans do that. To obey God, that's a sign that uh, your love is real Christian love, said John Wesley. There's behind this, I think, is a kind of truth, and that is that we really can't welcome Jesus into our hearts if we don't obey Jesus and, and welcome others. Coming down here this morning, <clears throat> listening to the radio, uh, and uh, writing this sermon, uh, well, no, I actually had given some thought before, but coming down uh, the highway, I heard an interview with Dr. John Burke. He's a doctor in Kansas. They've just arrested three men getting ready to blow up an apartment complex where some Somali refugees are living. And they were saying to this doctor, now you work with the Somali refugees, don't you? And he said, yes. And how did you get involved with the Somalis? And he said, well, I, I met them and, you know, I, I've never really been that thankful to be an American until I met these people who've left everything to come to America, to come to Kansas. And I just tried to get to understand them and, and help them. So the reporter persisted and said, uh, are you doing this as a doctor? Part of your medical work? And he said, no, no, there really is no medical, they don't have any medical problems to speak of. And the reporter said, well, why did these three Kansans seek to blow up these Somali refugees? You're working with them. Why would you say that? And he said, uh, I, I'm a Christian. Uh, we, we just don't get a lot of choice in these matters. We've been commanded to love our neighbor. Uh, I think that gets kind of like Paul is talking here to the first church, Rome. Welcome others as you've been welcomed. And there does seem to be this tendency in churches, every church I've ever been part of, to, to kind of think that, you know, we're here because we are enlightened or spiritually sensitive and we've gathered here and we're looking for a few more sufficiently enlightened, spiritually good people to join us. And, uh, and maybe that's why churches... In our denomination, so many decline and die because they get confused into their welcoming ability attenuates and weakens. We had a consultant, I was telling the group earlier this morning, we had a consultant come to a church I was serving, and he was somebody, like, this church has got to grow. You cannot stay in this building if you don't grow because this building was built for a congregation four times bigger than this one. So if you love this building, you need to love this congregation into growth. You've got to get in touch with a new generation. You've got to have more visitors. And then, and, and he was firing us up about it and he says, and by the way, looking at this group, nobody in this room tonight will probably be helpful with that. Most of you who are leading this congregation have been in this congregation for years. Most of you are over 60. You will not be helpful with this. The only people who are helpful will be your newest members. Only new members can bring new members. You shouldn't let anybody join this church that you don't say, now, next week we want you to bring us somebody like you here. Uh, well, you, you wonder, maybe, maybe one of our challenges is so many of us have been around here so long, we've forgotten. We need somebody like those Somali refugees to say to us, wow, Memorial Church Greer is a gift of God. This, this is wonderful. Don't keep this a secret. 
that, that freshness. I was at a church meeting one night, and we were doing uh, generally what preachers do when we're together, and that is complain about you, the lady, and how hard it is to get along with you and serve you and all. But um, there were mostly preachers there, but somehow a layperson got into the meeting. And uh, we were talking about what's wrong in the Methodist Church. And we were getting lower and lower and more depressed. And this needs to be changed. And that's not right. No. Well, suddenly this layperson just blurted out and she says, I've only been a Methodist for five years. And let me tell you people, you don't know how good a church you've got. She said, I was in a church where I spent 35 years thinking God was mad at me. I spent 35 years trying to figure out what's the right technique, what's the key. Oh, I messed up again. I got to get that right. I got to... And said, I never heard of grace till I came in a Methodist church. Let me tell you, you people, rather than sit around here and complain about yourselves, you need to get out looking for people like me to give them the news. God is not who you have been led to believe God is. God wants you kind of helpful. The most important member of my cabinet was a district superintendent who had went through a kind of wild conversion experience in a field hospital in Vietnam after he'd gotten shot up badly. And he was valuable as a district superintendent because he was the only person I was around on my cabinet at the Methodist building. The only person I was around who could remember when he wasn't a Christian. He had a passion for reaching blue-collar, hard-living, young adult people. And he worked toward that and trained ministers to lead that. And I just wonder that maybe when Paul says, welcome one another, as you've been welcome, one of the challenges is many of us can't remember when we were welcomed. And maybe, maybe for instance, uh, this morning we talked about becoming a more welcoming congregation and, and how can Memorial Church do a better job of receiving visitors, welcoming visitors and all. Maybe the people who need to be put in charge of that effort are the people who n first knew Memorial Church as an unwelcoming place, who came here and didn't know anybody, who had no idea where the restrooms are, who had no idea that they thought Gloria Patri was a woman's name uh, in the service. Well, uh, we, maybe those people can be most helpful at looking at us from the outside in rather than our gaze always being uh, from the inside out. Maybe they can be the most helpful with those of us who have grown smug and possessive about Jesus. Um, when I started serving this church in Durham, uh, the bishop told me only needed me to serve that church for two months. I was there for a little over a year, which tells you something about bishops. Anyway, uh, I started out and I interviewed every lay leader and uh, uh, in the congregation. And interviewing this attorney who was chair of the church council, and I asked him, what would you most like to see happen here at Duke Memorial? What would you like us to, to do better with? And he said, I'd like to see us be more welcoming to LBGT people. And I said, huh, you know, I've heard that from two other people I've been interviewing, and I haven't heard that a lot in Methodist churches, and uh, 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 how are we not welcoming? And he said, I don't know, it's just, it, it doesn't feel like, uh, from what I hear, we're that, he said, I think we ought to find out. And I said, well, help me with this. Um, are you saying this because uh, maybe this is an issue for you? Maybe in your family you're dealing with these issues? And he said, no, no. 
I said, well, help me understand why of all the things you think our church needs to do, th this, this is something we need to work on. I'm just, wait, where does this come from? And he said to me, uh, I, I think Jesus. And I said, you're an attorney for God. Well, please. Anyway. Uh, Maybe the test of a church is not how well we get along together, it's how open we are. Can you turn to somebody on the pew next to you and, and realize, wow, Jesus Christ is amazing. I cannot believe the people He loves and that He drags in this door and brings part of to my life to help me get closer to Jesus. Years ago, we were having another debate about immigration, and uh, but it was the start of the Iraq War. And in the university, I was getting a parking sticker or something, and uh, the person sitting at the desk, a uh, secretary, uh, said to me, "Hey, uh, you're a, you're you're the preacher here. Uh, look, I got a student." in trouble that needs some help. And uh, uh, he's from Iraq. And when the war started, they, he's lost his passport. He, he's stuck. He lost his fellowship. They, he can't go back home. Uh, they, and, and, but he can't stay here and he can't get a job here because he can't get a green card. Anyway, uh, he worked as a work-study student here and, and uh, he's in desperate straits. Uh, so uh, my husband and I moved him into our house and in our spare room. And uh, I'm looking for people to hire him to do odd jobs around our house. Now, how many hours can I put you down? And I want him paid at least $10 an hour because uh, it's going to have to take that to, to, to get him back on his feet. Can I put you down for some, uh, you need some yard work or something done around the house? And I said, he, he's from Iraq? Well, um, what does he think about all that the government? And he said, oh, he thinks Saddam Hussein is just great. I, I don't know, but anyway... Uh, could you handle four hours? And uh, I said, wow, uh, this is fascinating. Uh, but, but have you always been interested in students from Iraq, uh, international students? And she said, no, I've never known one before this one. And I said, well, I just think this is an amazing kind of thing for you to do. And uh, wow, I, I just wonder... What brought you to this point that seems so counter to nine out of ten average Americans? And with that, she took off her glasses, she banged a fist down on the desk, she said, Because I'm a Christian, darn it, you think this is easy? See, I told you. <laughs> um, there, are, there have been many leaders in my life that I've had direct contact with over and over and over again that have impacted my ability to move beyond current skill set to a much bigger skill set. Um, Bishop Williman's helped me a great deal through books, um, but it's, it's been great to have you uh, actually present with us as well. If you'll stand and join us with our final hymn, number 671.
grace for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.